I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Monday, September 30th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, with one confirmed vaping death in Mississippi, find out why public health officials are concerned and hear from an industry organization pushing back. Then, in light of the latest obesity report card, the American Heart Association is urging Mississippi to manage its collective waistline. And in Bite Size Tech, how a fast food giant is enlisting smart speakers in the search for new workers. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A recent death associated with vaping has the Mississippi Health Department urging people to stop using the products. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers says the death is one of four cases of serious lung injury related to e-cigarettes. He says three of the cases involve people who have vaped THC. The fourth does not. He did not say whether the person who died was vaping THC, citing family privacy concerns. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers with our Desiree Fraser. We have seen our first uh, vaping associated death in Mississippi. Um, there have been about a dozen deaths reported nationally um, that are directly related to vaping. This makes our fourth case um, overall in Mississippi, but our first death, unfortunately. What can you tell us about the relationship of the vaping with the death? I know it's vaping related, but was it THC or was it the commonly purchased uh, cartridges in a store? Well, what I can tell you, and and certainly we're not going to talk about the the individual in particular to protect their uh, uh, family's privacy and confidentiality, However, in Mississippi, of the four cases that we've had, three of them have reported um, vaping THC um, products. And when you look at the national data as well, that's pretty consistent with what's being seen uh, nationally. Uh, over 70 to 75 percent of all of the uh, cases have associated 
vaping some THC products, but it's important to remember that there have been individuals who have uh, who've had this severe lung disease who report that they have vaped uh, nicotine-only products. At this point, do we know how safe vaping is if you go with the nicotine products? You know, we are unable to ensure the safety of these products. They are not FDA um, regulated. Um, We know that for certain groups of the population, especially um, our youth, uh, young adults, pregnant women, that even if you're vaping nicotine, nicotine can have uh, effects on a developing brain. Um, We know now that in some circumstances, there can be some severe lung-associated or severe disease uh, of the lung associated with vaping. It's not regulated what chemicals are in there, and they can contain things like lead or other chemicals that can also be, be harmful. So under the circumstances, until we get a better idea of exactly what is causing these illnesses, I recommend anybody who's vaping to, to consider not vaping. What are some of the symptoms or the signs that maybe they they should stop? Well, and some of the earlier signs that we've seen um, have been shortness of breath, cough, uh, chest pain. Um, In some circumstances, it's more GI-related symptoms. It can be nausea, vomiting, uh, in some cases abdominal pain or diarrhea. In some of the cases, some of the first symptoms are weakness or tiredness or a flu-like illness. So recommend that anybody who is currently vaping, if you begin to have any of those symptoms, see your doctor right away and make sure that they are aware uh, that you're vaping and what products you're vaping. How long will it take to determine or get to a point where you can say with some certainty what's going on, you think? I think it's unknown at this point. Every case that we investigate adds additional knowledge and understanding to what the potential causes are. It is going to take additional investigation and testing of products for us to be able to identify it. We are not alone in investigating this cluster of illness. Um, the Many states in the United States and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, and we're participating with them, are investigating um, these illnesses and what the potential causes are Um, But we don't have a timeline on when we will know for certain. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers. Mike Jeffcoat is a vape shop owner, a former smoker, and vice president of the Mississippi Vaping Advocacy Association. He says he's committed to keeping vaping material out of the hands of children and teens, but he says vaping is a useful anti-smoking tool, and he rejects any effort to close vape shops like his. The deaths that have come out, These are coming from illegal THC street cartridges. It's known as danking. It has absolutely nothing to do with the legitimate and regulated vaping industry itself. With pure nicotine vapes, there's been no deaths proven to be by nicotine vaping from legitimate sources. You are uh, vice president of the advocacy group for vaping in the state. How is this impacting you in terms of image? With the flood of, I should say, 
bad information coming out, and they're they're using the term vaping, which vaping is actually you know the the mod itself. That's you know the the sub the subject of vaping has a lot of different terms to it. But when you're talking about illegal THC cartridges, you're not really talking about legitimate vaping. You're talking about people that are, t- are taking and adulterating products and getting them out into the public. These are drug dealers. And how is it impacting, is it impacting your business at all? Everybody's seen, you know, we have a lot of people coming in asking questions, you know, oh, you know, I'm hearing this, I'm hearing that. And most people that have been vaping for a while understand that it's, you know, they've been vaping for a long time and have never had an issue. I have thousands and thousands and thousands, many, many thousand customers in this state that vape and have never had an issue. Their health has improved. My doctor has told me my health is better since I've quit smoking. My blood work is better. My, I can breathe better. I can run better. I can do a lot of things better. But it's basically the media. And, you know, this is, this is actually about big tobacco money. As, uh, you know, all the states sued big tobacco back in the master settlement agreement, the tobacco master settlement agreement. And, uh, you know, they get money basically for people to smoke cigarettes. That's the bottom line. It's a perpetuation of smoking combustible tobacco. Now, you said you smoked for many years? Yes, I smoked for 34 years. And now Actually, you... probably about 37, if I want to be honest with myself. There was a couple of times I tried to get off of, of cigarettes and would take a little break, get back on. But, but actually, I started at about the age of 12 years old was when I smoked my first cigarette. And now you found that vaping has helped you? Yes, absolutely. Uh, we have thousands of people that we've helped quit the combustible tobacco habit. You know, like I said, I, I started with a, about an average cigarette amount of nicotine at 18 milligrams. It didn't take me, you know, probably about three or four months. Initially, it took me about 10 days to get off of combustible tobacco. Then I went from 18 milligrams down to 12 in about six months. Then in about three months, I went down to six. Then in, in about a month after that, I went down to three. And I generally do about a, a three milligram to a 1.5, which is very, very, very little nicotine. There are some calls uh, that vaping shops maybe should be closed. Your thoughts? Um, if you take the vaping shops away, you're taking down the front line in actual prevention of keeping these things out of, of minors' hands. If, if they're going to go to the convenience stores where the owners generally aren't present in their corporations and they have a lot of employees, they don't have much their best interest at heart to card and make sure they're not selling to minors. Mike Jeffcoat owns Magnolia Vapes, is a former smoker and is vice president of the Mississippi Vaping Advocacy Association. He spoke with MPB's Desiree Frazier. Coming up, in light of the latest obesity report card, the American Heart Association is urging Mississippi to manage its collective waistline. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. This is MPB Think Radio. Mississippi is our mission. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Nearly 40% of Mississippians are obese, meaning they have a body mass index of 30 or higher. 
In a recent report, the state has retaken the top spot on a list of the nation's most obese states, joining West Virginia at number one. The American Heart Association says obesity is a contributing factor to many heart-related conditions like high blood pressure and heart disease. People with a body mass index higher than 30 are considered obese. If it's over 40, that's morbidly obese. Dr. Michael Hall is a cardiologist at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. He says it's possible for obese people to lose weight, but he says it's better not to put the weight on in the first place. We know from consistent data that whether you're overweight or obese, there's an increased risk for all the bad things that cause you to die younger, and that could be coronary artery disease or heart attacks, um, heart failure, stroke, it causes bad things like hypertension, diabetes, all those things, of course, contribute to dying earlier. So I think it's kind of hard to say uh, overall because people say when you have diseases, when you develop those diseases, there are some signals that, you know, some people even suggest that being obese or overweight might be protective, um, and that's not not true. I mean, when you have any bad disease at the end stage, you end up losing weight, so those, some of those things get confounded. But I think overall... The data is very clear that being overweight or obese um, do put tremendously increase the risk of of having all those bad things which lead to dying at a younger age. That's pretty clear. Why is that? Why is being overweight or obese, why does that affect cardiovascular health? Some of the major risk factors, I should say, associated with being obese are uh, it, it's a major risk factor. It causes about uh, 65 to 75 percent of the cases of high blood pressure, which is one of the main drivers of heart disease. So by increasing blood pressure is one of the main reasons. Secondly, it is a major risk factor for diabetes or higher sugars, blood sugars, and that's another risk factor. It causes things like increases cholesterol, and we know that all those things can not only lead to heart disease, also damage the blood vessels, the brain, the kidneys, and all these things work together, obviously. There have been some TV shows where participants lose an incredible amount of weight over a short period of time. What is a realistic time frame for someone to lose weight in a healthy manner? Well, when you say healthy manner, so we do bariatric surgery here, and uh, that's one extreme where, um, you know, it's a surgical uh, technique where they reduce the size of the stomach, and we have patients that lose over 100 pounds in a year period. Uh, It's not uncommon. And they have very, there's a lot of good data coming out now showing that that's associated with significant reductions in, in people. It lowers the risk of death, but also uh, probably reduces the, we're, we're getting more data on that now, but reduces the risk for things like heart failure. But uh, we know that even before you lose the weight, um, people, you know, before they lose massive amounts of weight at least, that there's an improvement in their blood pressure and their blood sugar. So losing weight from massive weight loss with surgery can happen uh, over a course of a year, you can lose over 100 pounds. But, you know, the common person dieting and exercising, we know that people, you know, can lose 10 to 15 pounds. But the, long, the, the long-term problem is is that very few people can keep that weight off consistently over the course of years. Is that the same with bariatric surgery? Can someone regain that weight? And if so, what is the percentage of people for whom that happens? Depends on the type of surgery. With bariatric surgery, there there are several different uh, surgical techniques you know, and some of those are associated with more weight regain than others. Um, most of the people do what's called a Roux-en-Y gastric bypass or a vertical sleeve gastrectomy. There were other things like the gastric bands, 
and people, yes, can overeat those. Uh, these are the band, of course, like it sounds, sounds like there's a band around the stomach itself. Um, the roux and Y and the vertical sleeve, they actually um, cut part of the stomach out, so the stomach pouch is not as big, but still people can overeat, if you will, um, despite those uh, stomach reduction surgeries. But overall, I think the data are pretty clear that those result in long-term weight loss and significant reduction in those risk factors that cause heart disease. You don't have to get down to your goal weight in order to see some benefits. If you start losing weight, you may see your cholesterol drop. Certainly. I mean, I even tell patients, I mean, you know, a lot of times when you're over, you know, significantly overweight or obese, you have a big target. And, uh, but we know that even small amounts of weight loss, five pounds or 5% of body weight is associated. If you can lose 5% of your total body weight, most people will see an, uh, you know, almost immediate reduction in their blood pressure. Their blood sugars are, are better controlled. Cholesterol can improve and an overall feeling of well-being. And, you know, just getting started is sometimes the hard part. But once they lose that five pounds um, and they see some improvements in blood pressure, they might get off a of medication or something like that. Uh, they can they can gain some more momentum and continue to lose weight. But yes, you can see important benefits that are he- uh, healthy with just small amounts of weight reduction. What's a realistic number of pounds to lose, say, in a month's time? Well, I think it really depends on on your body size or your weight, your starting weight. Um, in a month time, um, you know, someone who is more severely more morbidly obese. So if you weighed four four or five hundred pounds, you can lose a lot more weight quicker and tolerate it, whereas if you're 200 pounds, um, you know, it depends on, it really depends on your body size. Some final thoughts for our listeners? There's a lot of things we need to be doing to, to keep weight off. Um, organizations, uh, we, you know, we, we collaborate a lot with the American Heart Association, and there, there's a big uh, push to, for healthy eating programs, um, and that can be, you know, it, it definitely takes a combination of diet and exercise, and I think uh, you've seen some of the the attempts for people to uh, motivate people to get out and walk and do physical activity. Uh, but again, prevention is the key here. So after you've gained the weight, obviously all these things we talked about, it's hard to lose the weight. We need to really be targeting. I think a lot of these organizations are doing this, targeting our children, because that's really where we need to be uh, putting a lot of emphasis and preventing them from getting obese. Um, because once they become obese, then we're talking about a lot of interventions that are quite frankly, hard to do. You're talking about surgery or, or massive uh, you know, lifestyle changes that are just, just hard to do. So really targeting early on, uh, increasing physical activity, working on making food healthier foods easier to get, um, th- those are the key things we need to be focused on. Dr. Michael Hall is a cardiologist and assistant professor in the School of Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Dr. Hall, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Coming up on Bite Size Tech, how a fast food giant is enlisting smart speakers in the search for new workers. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. McDonald's is now accepting applications through Alexa and your Google Assistant. Spotify has added two personalized playlists based on your repeat listens, and Google Play Pass is launched in lockstep with Apple's new gaming platform. I'm Jay White, and here's this week's Bite Size Tech. Answering the recent well-received launch of Apple Arcade, Google has now entered into the market with 
Play Pass. It offers more than 350 apps and games at launch, and the games have no in-app purchases. All games start completely unlocked. There's no advertisements, including not having to watch ads to earn any currency related to the games. The price at launch is just $1.99 a month, though the price will jump to $4.99 a month after a year, a significant hike in rate, but Google is being upfront with the info at launch, and even after the hike, the price point will be in lockstep with guess who? Apple Arcade. Differentiating factors between PlayPass and Arcade include Google's inclusion of ad-free versions of mobile apps like PicStitch, a popular photo collage maker, and AccuWeather, which includes live forecast and radars. PlayPass and the Apple Arcade are both available now. Spotify is introducing a new set of personalized playlists based on your listening patterns. On Repeat and Repeat Rewind are both focused on helping you revisit the songs you've put on repeat at various times through your listening history. On Repeat will focus on the tracks you've played the most over the last 30 days, a personal greatest hits of your past month that continues to evolve with each track you listen to across all genres. Repeat Rewind takes you back to the songs you leaned more heavily on previous to the last month, the Rewind will update every five days, partially based on the four-week-old batch of songs that just rolled off your on-repeat list. And no songs will belong to both playlists. The new features are live on Spotify now. Finally, McDonald's announced a new initiative this past week that they're calling the Apply Through. Get it? Owners of Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant devices can complete job applications, starting with the phrases Alexa or OK Google. After beginning the process, you'll answer a few basic questions out loud to your smart device, and you'll receive a text message following the responses to the questions with a link to finish the application online. For more tech news, fixes, insight, and more, listen to MPB's Everyday Tech. The show is on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and the MPB public media app free in the iTunes and Google Play stores. And the show airs live Wednesdays at 10 a.m. right here on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Before we go, the Mississippi Aquarium is now set to open on April 30th of 2020. The Sun-Herald reports the opening date for the Gulfport attraction was announced at the recent Splash Bash fundraiser for the aquarium. Aquarium supporters are aiming to raise $10 million so the aquarium can open debt-free. The aquarium will include a 360-degree tunnel where sharks, rays, and other ocean life will swim around visitors. More information is at msaquarium.org. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.